This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Thanks for coming, guys. I knew you'd come for the biscuit. We had a we had a bet going with the pastoral team, and I believe we we had an over under, and I believe we got the over, and uh, all the glory to the biscuits, man. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. We don't have a lot of time, Father, but I pray that we'd uh, at least create the category here for spiritual leadership and each of these men would be affected. I pray for the families. I pray for the wives and the children, Lord, and let this be a means of grace to help these men lead their families spiritually. Lord, we have a heart. We have a desire that you've created, Lord, to lead them well. That's why these men are here. They want to lead well. So I pray that this will be a helpful morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go super fast because we just don't have a lot of time and there's so much we, we could say. Um, like I prayed, really, hopefully just creating the category will serve you. So that you'll think leadership in the home and you'll think spiritual leadership in the home. And hopefully in the next few minutes that we have, um, we'll be able to encourage you, help out a little bit. But I don't want you to over expect. <laughs> this is uh, such a vast subject and there's just not enough time this morning to try to cover everything but I've tried to create an outline throw out a few thoughts um, would do Q&A but you'd ask dumb questions and waste time so want you to lead want you to lead well and we have a vivid picture in God's word of spiritual leadership so turn to Proverbs chapter 4 or if you started out poorly and didn't bring a Bible, you can look on your outline. Have the verses right there. I'm, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Already men are weeping in the back. Proverbs chapter 4. This is God's Word, and we have a vivid picture of spiritual leadership. Here's a dad with his son, and he's talking about his experience with his dad, with him, when he was a boy. Heroes, sons, verse 1, a father's instruction. And be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. So feel the authority. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. You can, you can sense this is a matter of life and death. It really is. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. And do not turn away from the words of my mouth. 
do not forsake her. Do not forsake wisdom. And wisdom will keep you. Love her. Love wisdom. And wisdom will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Above all else, no matter what else you get in life, get wisdom. Prize her highly. And she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland, a crown. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. She will change your life. That's what a spiritual leader tells those he's leading. Down in verse 20, My son, be attentive to my words. Listen to me. Incline your ear to my sayings. You just tell... You know, a father with a son, he's looking at this son, his son's distracted by all kinds of... Listen! Be attentive. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them. Healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. That's spiritual leadership. If nothing else, capture, it must not be easy. It must not be easy to lead spiritually. It must not be easy for kids to get wisdom. It, it must not be easy. Does, does that sound easy to you? It doesn't sound easy to me. Is it, is it easy to get your kids to pay attention when you're trying to help them with their life? Does it sound easy? It's not. Some of you guys are going, look, you don't have to convince me of that. I, I get that. <laughs> it's not easy. Well, you should be encouraged. The Bible anticipates it's not easy. Get wisdom. Look, Dad, an airplane. You know, they, they're not paying attention. Pay attention to my words. When I was with my dad, I remember he was trying to tell me, get wisdom. I didn't want to listen. Wasn't a great listener. I, I know. See, I've been where you are. And now I'm telling you, it's not easy, is it? We all probably have an awareness of this. I just remember thinking my dad was an idiot. I don't think he's an idiot. He was an idiot now. <laughs> oh, I do not think he was an idiot now. He's, he's been dead most of my life, actually. And, and boy, would I love to look him in the eye today and say, I get it, Dad. I get it. I didn't get it back then. Now I'm 62 and I get it. Well, I'd love to tell him that. That's so valuable for your kids. So you can communicate that, look, I know how difficult it is. It also helps us be patient with them, doesn't it? So, 
I have five points here. I could spend an hour on each one of these points, and we have ten minutes, okay? Roughly. So I'm just going to try to throw out a few things, but I, I, I really want to, to just create the categories and get you pointed in the right direction. Let me tell you, this pastoral team is right here. Every Sunday after the meeting, I stand around looking for work and love to talk, love to answer questions. Same with every other pastor. And so we've got resources. We want to help. Uh, we want to serve you in any way we can. But this morning's going to be brief and amazing, unfortunately. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So my, my first point is fellowship with God in Christ. And I know some of you are thinking, you know, this is all you ever talk about. <laughs> you know, this is like, we, we know this. Can we get on to, you know, like, uh, you know, how to teach wisdom to our kids, you know, and kind of more practical stuff. No, we really can't. We're talking about spiritual leadership in the home. And it begins with your fellowship with God in Christ. And I am never going to let you forget it. And I am going to harp on this till the day I die. And I will tell you, if you get this one right, if you get this, it will cover a multitude of sins. You will succeed to some degree as a spiritual leader in your home if you enjoy fellowship with God in Christ. And if you don't, there's no hope. Now, I'm not adding to the Gospel here. I'm not talking about... I'm actually talking about the Gospel. The great treasure of the Kingdom is fellowship with God in Christ. There was a man and he discovered treasure hidden in a field. This is a parable. Matthew 13, 44. He discovered treasure hid, hidden in a field. And in his joy, he went and sold everything he had. And he bought that field. That's where you begin. It's about the grace of God. It's about a treasure. Treasure Christ in your home. And you are going to be a good spiritual leader. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with a guy named Stephen Covey. He's, he's dead now. He wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I read it. It didn't work for me, but I read it. And uh, there were some good things that, that I learned from, from him. He, he talked about one of the most important things that I learned from this book that, that's really affected me is that there are things that are urgent, that are unimportant, and there are things that are important that aren't urgent. And what you want to try to do is get in your life these things that are important that aren't urgent because you'll miss them. And so he talks about sharpening the saw each week. And... What he means by that is uh, personal stuff 
you do? Like for him, it was more exercise, diet, um, you know, time to think, meditate. He wasn't a Christian. And he would talk about the, these things are not urgent. You can, you'll miss them if you don't really work hard to put them in their life. I, I, I'm sure you're like me. You've already got your firewood in for the winter. <laughs> All those of you with the fireplace feeling bad now, and I'm feeling really good about life. But I got my firewood in. Most of you guys don't even know what a saw is, but I'm trying to give you an illustration here. You poor, I got the wrong audience, man. Uh, when you get your firewood, you, you know, you, you need a sharp saw. And that's, that's the point he was making, is that these, these kinds of things affect your whole life. And nothing compares to fellowship with God in Christ. It's sharpening the saw. It's watching over your heart. It's keeping your heart. And it's what makes it work for you. It's what makes you... It, everything falls into place when that element of your life is right. When you spend time with the Lord... i got a quote here from... John Flavel, my historical hero, writing in the 17th century, the devil is aware that one hour of close fellowship, of hearty converse with God in prayer, is able to pull down what he has been contriving and building many a year. I'll let, we'll leave it at that. The second thing is love your neighbor as yourself. So you'll see the law here in action, the essence of the law. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's life in the kingdom is about being born again. We're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount in a few weeks. We'll, I think we start in Labor Day weekend. And uh, so over the fall, our series is going to be on the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And I think it's going to be eye-opening to a lot of people to understand that what Jesus is teaching is this is not how you get in the kingdom. This is life in the kingdom. And one of the things that sticks out is your unselfishness. So look over in Philippians chapter 2 real quick. That's not quick enough. Verses 3 and 4, we looked at this in our study of Philippians. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he goes, he goes into, if you remember, he gives Christ as a great example of unselfishness and humility. It is life in the kingdom. How do you get into the kingdom? You get into the kingdom by the grace of God. You get born again. You get set free from selfish pride. And then life in the kingdom is about being poor in spirit. It's, it's, it's about recognizing our sinful nature and putting to death self and serving others. So spiritually successful dads, you see this quote here, do not always have impressive gifts, but they are always impressive servants. That's a great quote. 
I, I wrote that myself. I came up with that. It's a great quote. Spiritually, it's the only time I've ever done that in my entire ministry. I've, I have my own quote. Spiritually successful dads don't always have impressive gifts. But they're always impressive servants. I just thought about it. I thought, yeah. The guys that are spiritual leaders in their home, they're servants. Spiritual leadership. Look at Spurgeon. This, this day, let's, let's try to give and to forgive. This is life in the kingdom. Let's mind the two bears. Bear and forbear. Let us be kind, gentle, and tender. Let us not put harsh constructions on men's conduct, nor drive hard bargains, nor pick foolish quarrels, nor be difficult to please. Now, as we go to the next point, you're going to see how these connect. But love your family as yourself. Love your wife as yourself. Love your kids as yourself. That's life in the kingdom. Put them first. Be tender-hearted, gracious, not difficult to please. That's not spiritual leadership. That's not grace-filled leadership. If you have a picture of leadership that puts you first, you have a mistaken picture. Number three, teach your children wisdom. So we saw in Proverbs Chapter 4, verse 5 and, and verse 7. Get wisdom. Your, your life, your words, your instructions, your example, everything says wherever you're leading, get wisdom. You're inspiring your families. You're inspiring your wife, your children, you're teaching them, get wisdom. Beginning, you have to understand what wisdom is. Get it. Get insight. She's going to guard your life. She's go you're going to have a long life. And so you're, you're teaching them everything you do. You're instructed. You're always thinking wisdom. And it's saying to your kids on a daily basis, you lack wisdom. That's, that's where it begins, isn't it? Now, every one of your kids in here think, <laughs> I don't need wisdom. No, no, no. no I, I am a fountain of wisdom. In fact, Dad, sit down. <laughs> Get wisdom, Dad, because you lack it. I have it. That's the sin nature, isn't it? I mean, we're all like that. Except for the grace of God. But our kids are growing up. They need to understand foolishness is bound up in your heart. It's not wisdom that's bound up in your heart. It's foolishness. <laughs> and step one, when you say get wisdom is, I need to begin with, you lack it. You lack wisdom. And the successful spiritual leader in the home has to be able to communicate that. And that it's tricky. That's what will have them pay attention. I, I don't want to mention a name, but I was recently with a teen in our church. 
And it was humbling. It was also very encouraging. I was like, wow. This is such an impressive young man, teenager. And he doesn't act like it. (laughs) He actually has wisdom. But he's aware he needs to get wisdom. I wish I could give you details. But his dad has done a great job. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Okay? And that's why we talk about shepherding your child's heart. So it's not about, okay, you know, look Mr. Smith in the eye. No, 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 tell him thank you. It's not his, you're not getting at the heart issue. Let him, let him embarrass you. Let him show his foolishness. And then when you get home, shepherd his heart. Don't worry about what Mr. Smith thinks. Shepherd his heart. Romans 9, it depends not on man's will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. We need mercy, don't we? Whenever we think about the heart, your children, you can provoke them by your leadership. The way you need to know you can provoke them. Hypocrisy is going to provoke your kids. If you lack maturity, if you have sin that you kind of don't deal with, you can provoke your kids. And they, they will get angry and they will be angry. They will get discouraged. So when you see these teens that are angry, you see these teens that are discouraged or you see your kids you see anger discouragement take your soul to task have I I provoked them ask them that question it's good leadership one of the things you want to learn to do is repent you know the one thing I want to be good at is repenting (laughs) I want to be good and I have found that is the Ticket to success in life. If you can just admit, you know, that was bad. It, it's amazing the effect that has on your wife, on your children. You can make mistakes, and you will make mistakes, and you will fall short. But if you can just come and say, that's on me. That's my fault. You know, that, that's a, it's an expression of considering others more important than yourself. But... <coughs> so often, dads refuse to do this. They refuse except that they provide. May God have mercy on you and your family. Number four, be diligent in planning. <coughs> I threw this in here because wisdom literature that we just read, Proverbs, and other wisdom literature in the Old Testament, it assumes you're planning. (laughs) Now, I know some guys are like, I don't want to plan. I don't like planning. 
And, you know, I don't want to add to the gospel again, you know. But study the wisdom literature. Study Proverbs and you will see. And I put several in. It just assumes that leaders are going to plan. Look, Proverbs 21. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Everyone who is hasty, I think that means doesn't plan, comes only to poverty. Proverbs 15, without counsel, plans fail. Those kind of details on plans. But with many advisors, they succeed. Plans are established by counsel. Again, it's just this assumption you're planning. Wise guidance, wise planning. By wise planning, wage war. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord <coughs> establishes his steps. When, when, you, when you plan, it's hard work. You're serving. You are serving. It's a great use of your, your time. So let me, I'll give you one little practical thing. Again, I don't want to have the gospel. I'm just telling you, sir, me. This, is, this has made such a difference in my life. As I look back, I have four adult children, all married. Grandkids, through this, as I look back, this is really certainly something I picked up on. Just a practical idea. And you don't have to do this. <coughs> and I've had people, you know, criticize me for communicating it in a way like if they don't do this, then they're going to go to hell when they die. And that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I, I really be released. I'm just trying to say, for me personally, having gates has really blessed me. Because I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I can go, you know what? I'm going to have a weekly date with my wife. Just put it on the calendar. Right now, I mean, it's Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night, I have a date with my wife. And we don't even have kids. Every day's a day. You understand? <laughs> we set aside Wednesday because that's a special day. We babysit for our grandkids so our kids can have a date night on Thursday night. We do that to bless their marriages and their families. Yeah, we love being with our grandkids, but I, I'm near death at the end of the night. So. <laughs> if they call and say they can't go, I'm, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, had dates, I had dates with the kids when, we, when they were in the home. We'd have once a month, I would have a date. I just planned out and I put it on the couch. And then now I have grandkids, I have dates with the grandkids. I feel brilliant at the end of the year. And, and, like, I've got these grandkids, and when they have a date with grandfather coming up, it's, like, unbelievably. Yeah, they are so excited. They meet me at the door. They can't wait to run and hop. Yes, I spend too much money on these guys. They're still rotten already, and I make it worse. But what's that worth? Now, you don't have to do that, but I, even if it's not a I remember going out with... Uh, 
the kids and, and I have dates. I get done with these dates and go, well, that was an absolute waste of time. <laughs> that accomplished absolutely nothing. And I didn't have a good time. They didn't. But you know what? It did. And over time, it just added up. And I, my, my, I have one son right now that's out west with his family. Two and a half weeks, big tour through all the national parks, not all of them, but many of them, taking the kids. We're getting pictures back and memories. I'll never forget. It took a lot of planning to make this happen. You don't just wake up one morning and say, hey, it's God West. <laughs> it took a lot of planning. You know, you know how I know it will affect them? Because in 1968, my dad took me out west. And in 2006, I took my family out west. And now, 2022, my 37-year-old taking his family out west. And we get the pictures. I know they caught 15 trout yesterday. <laughs> it was worth the trip just for that. <laughs> Any of you? never know the experience. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, you can see plant. So we're going to create some resources for you. Uh, Mike Liniak is going to put together a little booklet that's going to have some good articles on this that might serve. Again, this is not the gospel. This is a practice. You are free not to do it. You are free not to vote. But it does seem to me like the wisdom literature assumes you do. And so we're going to put this together. Got some more news. It's not just Cornerstone that does this. It's not just Christians that do this. In fact, one of the books we'll recommend, I think it's called 4,000 Weeks, is not is written by a guy who's not a Christian. What he does in that book is go, You're not, your life is a breath. You should plan. <laughs> you know, it's going to go like that. And so it's not just us to think this. There is wisdom. And finally, um, the last, and, and this again, this is going to sound good. Here we go again. Number five, your faith on prayer. I think it's about saying that prayer is an essential part of spiritual leadership. And I know. You've heard me say this many times. And uh, again, it's one of those things I'm just going to keep saying. Um, I find myself now regularly thanking the Lord for answering prayer. I look back, I, I have failed so many times. I have not done what I should have done. I have done things I should not have done. And I shouldn't be in a lot of things I enjoy. I have a wife I've been married to for 42 years. She should have shot a baby. <laughs> and she has been very patient. She likes. You may not like me, but I have a wife that really likes me. That's a miracle of God's grace. You know, yeah, I have children that I don't think they like me, but they <laughs> hang out. <laughs> I think we have a relationship. But I'm so thankful. I have grandchildren. You know, I have 
clinics. I, I just look at my life and I just go, Prayer, Piper says it like this, this is a good Calvinist uh, who understands God's high sovereignty and man's responsibility. So he's not a hyper-Calvinist. He's a good Calvinist. He understands what the Bible says about God's sovereignty. Prayer causes things to happen that will not happen if the prayer is That's That's what the fear of God Prayer causes things to happen. If, if you don't pray, you really can't lead your family spiritually. And, and prayer covers mistakes and failures. How many of you have never failed? How many of you have never made a mistake? <clears throat> One at a time. Prayer brings forgiveness. It brings redemption. It brings mercy. It'll change the atmosphere. It'll change your leadership. If you're a man of prayer, if you're enjoying the great treasure of the kingdom, the fellowship of God and Christ, you're going to be the kind of guy that is going to walk in and say, God, that's on me. I'm sorry. And, um, you know, I often uh, will wake up in the morning and spend time with the Lord come out of there straight to my wife, I'm sorry. <laughs> because the Spirit makes you sin. It's just so fun. It's more than fun. It's so powerful to have, to be filled with God's Spirit. And so you sit down with the Word of God and in prayer with the Lord, and then He brings to mind something you already forgot. Then you go out to your wife and you say, no. And you were an idiot. I mean, first class. And she should hate you. And you, and you come out and you say, that was me. I'm sorry. And she thinks you're the greatest guy on the planet then. <laughs> Who gets the glory for that? The Lord does. It's a miracle. But that's a means of grace, just you know, conviction of sin, the way you treated your life. I cry out to God, Psalm 57, 2. This was actually the text John Cloud used for his most famous work, The Mystery of Providence, which is a book about faith. If you've never read it, read The Mystery of Providence. I will buy the book for you. Read the mystery of Christ. It'll build your faith. But this is the text. I cry to God most high, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. The book is all about God being at work in your life. He was all into writing it down every day. Look for where God's at work. Look what He did. That's why I try to go through the, you know, like today. I, I would guess three to five times I will say to people, that's an answer for prayer. I just did a text. Somebody sent me this long list. Answered prayer. They've been asking me to pray about things. I've got a red moleskin. It's like the bat phone. Remember the red bat? What, what was it called? The, the bat phone. And, and it's like, if I put you in there, man, hold on. Good things are going to happen in your life. I'm kidding. But I had been praying for this guy. He sent me a whole list of answered prayer. I just did that. 
I wrote it back and said, you just made my day. This encourages me. And I need your encouragement. <clears throat> and what, nothing encouraged me. We've been praying about these very, and there was like five really substantial answers to prayer that we've been praying just in a few weeks. And so Flavel says, write this all down because you'll forget. And he did. And so he wrote the mystery of providence talking about how God's at work in your life and answering prayer. Then he has books on God's providence because he wrote it all down. I've read so many of them to you over the years in sermon illustrations. But he's got... I'll give you one. So he pastored 17th century British sailors. They were said to have a one-inch plank between them in eternity. They would sail off from Portsmouth, where he pastored. They'd be out on the ocean, and all it took was, you know, the wrong, you know, tree to be in the ocean and hit their boat, and they're dead. All of them. And there's, you know, they didn't have a radio. And so, these guys paid attention to the sermons <laughs> because they were getting ready to go and they never knew if they were coming back. They're not like you. Assuming, I'll live this week. Yeah, we'll get to it. They, they didn't assume that for a number of reasons. So he has a whole book, Marvelous Sea Deliverances. And he just goes one right after one. This, 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 these guys are sinking. They're in the ocean. They're not going to make it. They're pumping, but they can't keep ahead of the water. And they cry out to God. And suddenly, they get ahead of the water, filling up the boat. And they survive. They get back into the port. They dry dock it. They pull it up. There's a massive hole in the boat. It's clear why they were sinking. And a giant fish had swum into the hole and plug the hole so that the boat made it back to the boat. John Flavin does not lie. He does not exaggerate. That's a true story. I cried out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose. So all these are about the sovereignty of God. We've got to stop. But look at all these verses down at the bottom. James 5, pray for one another that you may be healed. 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Luke 22, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Luke 18 tells a parable to the effect they ought always to pray and not get discouraged, not be depressed, not lose heart. Luke 6, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Pray like this. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, you have a Heavenly Father who doesn't just allow you to pray, He invites you to And that, my friends, is what you need to be spiritually Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for this time together. I pray for them. Lord, I, I pray. I, I pray that you would help each and every one of us because we never retire from spiritual leadership. We never retire from leading our families. And, and I pray that, Father, you would help us. 
and we cry out to you, Lord, for mercy. And we have faith and trust in you that you are going to answer those prayers. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone dash you.